Hi again, everybody. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for downloading the Bengals Booth Podcast, the Oh Danny Boy edition, as I go one-on-one with the Bengals' new offensive coordinator, Dan Pitcher. The Bengals Booth Podcast is brought to you by Paycor, proud to be the Bengals' official HR software provider. By AltaFiber, future-proof fiber internet designed to elevate your home, business, and community to a new level. And by Kettering Health, the best care for the best fans. Kettering Health is the official health care provider of the Bengals. Now, here's a quick reminder that you can have the latest edition of this podcast delivered right to your phone, tablet, or computer by subscribing. Wherever you get your podcasts, it's the greatest thing since the original rules of basketball. In 1891, Dr. James Naismith, a phys ed instructor in Springfield, Massachusetts, was looking for a way for his students to get indoor exercise during the cold New England winter months. So he wrote down 13 rules for a new game he called Basketball. That original document, now 133 years old, still exists, and I saw it this week. Dr. Naismith eventually became the first head coach at the University of Kansas, and when his family auctioned off the original rules several years ago, a wealthy Kansas alum purchased them for more than $4 million so that they could be permanently displayed at KU. Think about it. There's nothing else like it in sports. Nobody scribbled down the original rules of football or golf or baseball or any of the other major sports, so it was really cool to see. If you would like to learn more, check out the ESPN 30 for 30 documentary called There's No Place Like Home. Now, let's get to the Bengals' new offensive coordinator, Dan Pitcher. The job became open when Brian Callahan was named the new head coach of the Tennessee Titans. A couple of hours before Brian spoke to the media in Nashville on Thursday, Zach Taylor was asked how proud he was of his friend and colleague. Yeah, that's hard to describe, you know, how much he's meant to me, how much he's meant to pitch, this organization, for all these guys. It's, it's hard when you work side-by-side, uh, side, you know, with a guy for five years. And, and like Pitch said, the, the, the lows to the highs, um, trying to problem-solve through unsolvable problems it felt like sometimes and uh he was as steady as they come and and so Tennessee got a good one and it's the right place it's the right opportunity for him I hate that it's in the conference I hate that we play him next year I kind of like that we play him next year uh there's (laughs) we'll see where it pops up on the schedule but um you know just really really happy for him and Allison and and uh it's you know he's waited a long time for that opportunity he's been prepared for a long time for that opportunity I think the right place came calling for him, and, and I'm really happy the way it felt out. I know it felt right for him, and, and we'll hear more. You know, at one, what he says in his press conferences, we'll all be watching anxiously to, to see him on that stage, but uh, really, really happy that it worked out for him. And when they watched Brian's introductory news conference, they saw him get very emotional when he described his five years in Cincinnati. All right, I would like to thank the Cincinnati Bengals organization. Mike Brown, uh, who is one of, probably one of the greatest man that I've ever met. Um, I'll get it together in a second, don't worry. Uh, Katie and Troy Blackburn, their daughters Elizabeth and Caroline, uh, and Duke Tobin and his staff. Uh, they gave me an incredible opportunity to grow, and, they're, and they were patient, and they invested in me, uh, and I'll forever be grateful for that. <clears throat> the next one, you can see how much these people mean to me. 
I'll get it together. Uh, and then probably most importantly, uh, Zach Taylor. Uh, he's a great friend. Uh, he's been an incredible mentor. And he's a fantastic football coach. Thank you for everything. All right. Thank you to the players and the coaching staff. Uh, obviously, without an incredible amount of hard work, I don't get to stand here. And there's a lot of people that go into that, staff, players, um, particularly the quarterback room, Joe Burrow, Jake Browning. Uh, those guys uh, are, are, I'm incredibly indebted to. Uh, I wish I could list the whole team, uh, but I can't. We'll be here too long. You guys will get bored. Uh, but I loved working with those players every day. There's, there's, there's something special about where I came from uh, that I hope to replicate here. I think you can see it uh, and how I feel when I speak about it. Uh, but I love going to work every single day there. And that's the environment we're going to create here. I want a place where people love coming to work. They enjoy everybody they're around. And that creates an environment that's sustainable and you can have sustained excellence and have a chance to win uh, a lot of football games. And so that's what we're after. Brian was later asked what he learned from working with Zach Taylor. The, the greatest thing about Zach uh, for me and my experience in Cincinnati was he was an open book. And so I was involved in, in a lot of the things that uh, came across his desk, uh, a lot of conversations, um, very involved in the scouting process in Cincinnati, as a lot of you know. Um, and so just seeing all of those processes work over five years, um, seeing the pitfalls and problems, where the landmines can be, uh, his allowing me that access to those conversations has been huge. And I, and I walk into this role today, um, and I'm sure there'll be plenty of surprises, uh, but I feel very confident that I'm prepared for it. And, and it's because of his, his allowance and access to what occurred on a daily basis. Um, and he would often come by and say, hey, this – you should think about this for a second and uh, write this down for when you're, you, when you're doing this. Here's how you should handle it. Um, so just incredible, incredible investment in me uh, that helped me grow. And, I, and again, I, I feel because of all those experiences, uh, I'm kind of uniquely positioned um, for my first time doing this. I feel really good about it. I can honestly say that I don't know anybody who knows Brian Callahan that doesn't like and respect him. He's smart, friendly, funny, and for lack of a better word, normal which isn't always the case among football coaches. He'll be missed in Cincinnati, but it's impossible not to be thrilled for him. And fortunately, the Bengals had a great replacement waiting in the wings in quarterbacks coach Dan Pitcher. The Patriots, Raiders, and Saints reached out to Dan about their offensive coordinator openings, but being the OC of an offense with Joe Burrow at quarterback is hard to pass up. A lot of people in this profession that I respect, who have great perspective, who have reached out to me, and almost to a, to a person, you know, their advice is, when you have an elite quarterback, you hang on as long as you can. And we have that here. And not only is he an elite player, but, you know, I've gotten to know him so well as a person. Um, he's, he's a special person. He's different. They don't make many like him. And to get to continue working with him day in and day out, Knowing that we have a guy that can, can win us a world championship, uh, it's hard to put a price on that. By now, you've probably either watched Dan Pitcher's news conference online or read one of the many stories written after that news conference. When I sat down with Dan later in the day, I was aiming for something a little different, a more personal look at how he landed one of only 32 offensive coordinator jobs in the NFL. As hard as you've worked for it, is it a little bit mind-boggling to have one of these jobs? Um, 
I don't know if mind-boggling is the word. It's it's definitely uh, an opportunity to just kind of take a look at your career and all the stops up to this point and all the people that have helped you get here. And really, I think that's probably the, the, the best part of this for me is just, you know, all the people that have reached out and, and getting a chance to thank them because um, we're all products of people that have helped us along the way. And I've earned this, and I know that, and I'm very proud of that, but there's no way I did it by myself. I found an old quote from your mom. She said, I remember Dan at a young age sitting at the coffee table in the living room drawing plays, the X's and O's on paper. Do you remember doing that? Uh, I, don't, I don't remember drawing plays. I do remember having like a weird obsession with when the Super Bowl would come along or March Madness or whatever. I, my mom would buy me these poster boards, and I would – I would color the whole field in, and I would I would make the players, and I would arrange them in formations, and so that's, that may be what she's remembering. But I mean, let, listen, this is I've loved this game f- for as long as I can remember, um, and the, the fact that I've got got to make it my profession and um, have gotten to this level with this opportunity in front of me is it's very special. Did you always have an interest in how and why plays worked? Oh yeah, big time. That's, you know, that's the curiosity of that. You know, that's when I sit in here and study for days on end in the off season or when I'm getting, when I'm game planning and I'm pouring over tape and um, I love that part of it. I really do. You know, it's, it's a passion of mine and just exploring that, those very questions, you know, how and why, and then can we do this or not? Do we have the right people for it? Are we playing the right playing against the right scheme, you know, all those things. That's that's a major part of what I love about this job. You were a highly successful quarterback at the Division Three level at Cortland State, reigning national champs, by the way. Congratulations for that. But you weren't an overnight success. How long were you in college? <laughs> well, not as long as some of the guys these days with COVID <laughs> years and uh, multiple transfers, but it was a long time. So I, uh, I graduated high school in 2005. Um, I spent two plus years at Colgate. I sat out a season. I had a medical redshirt from that time. I went to Cortland. I had another medical redshirt. I petitioned for some more time, and so I think I ultimately uh, reported to seven training camps and uh, played six seasons. So it was it was a long time. I believe me, I've I've, I've caught the brunt of many jokes along the years. <laughs> What were the injuries that you dealt with? Uh, I had a, a shoulder labrum repair and a torn Achilles. <clears throat> so after you graduated, I read that you wrote letters to NFL coaches and college coaches seeking an entry-level opportunity. Roughly how many, and did anybody get back to you? Yeah, so I'm going to give uh, Paul Alexander a lot of credit here. Um, and, and when I talk about people that helped me get to where I am, you know, Paul, just out of the goodness of his heart, decided to take me under his wing when I'm 21 years old and now he made me do some manual labor for it at his at his summer house it's on skinny Atlas Lake but in the process he um he really guided me and one of the things he suggested was hey listen sit down I want you to hand write a letter to the head coach of every NFL team and every power five college conference and tell them who you are tell them what you're about tell them what you'd like to do and see if it leads anywhere and so I did I wrote one or two a day and you know I probably have carpal tunnel syndrome uh, from that experience but uh, I did I got some back Um, you know there were some I got a couple handwritten responses I got some 
you know, it, it led to ultimately a couple chances to go interview for graduate assistantships and um, what could have opened some doors. And, and ultimately, you know, one of those letters I wrote was to Ryan Grigson, who's the new GM of um, Indianapolis Colts, got to meet him in person. And and that was my start. <laughs> So for those who don't know, Paul Alexander is the former Bengals offensive line coach. And like you, he went to Cortland State. Was he taking care of another Red Dragon? Or do you think you impressed him in some way when you first met? I think yes to both those questions. You know, I think he saw an opportunity to uh, pay it forward with the position that he had worked himself to. Um, and as with anything in life, it's about who you know, but it's about making the right impression on who, who you know and who you meet. And I think he was impressed with me, and uh, he knew that if he, you know, if he stamped me and, and, and put his name on me to people that could potentially give me opportunities, that I wasn't going to disappoint him. Um, and so I think I've done that, and uh, I'm forever grateful. We're visiting with Dan Pitcher, the Bengals' new offensive coordinator. So you take a job with the Colts. As a scouting assistant under Ryan Grigson, you mentioned him, their GM at the time. What does an entry-level scouting assistant fresh out of college do? Uh, anything he gets told to do. <laughs> uh, he picks up guys from the airport for workouts at midnight. He, he carts them around town to doctor's appointments. Uh, he locks himself in a closet with a, with a film system and, and breaks down college players and puts together – uh, what we used to call profile tapes, which is something that all these services that we now subscribe to do for you, but that was before those, the days of, of, of those services. Um, you really just immerse yourself in the world of football, and you do it at a level where there's no job too small. And um, my mentality when I took that job was to go into that building, uh, put my head down, uh, speak when spoken to for two years, and – Proved to everyone that I was about the right stuff and trust that when I picked my head up after that, um, you know, people would be invested in my success and, and, and be willing to open doors for me. And that's exactly what happened. I'm guessing you were not getting rich. No, 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 no. Uh, my, my wife, who was my then fiance, uh, had moved out to, she had finished school, so I was out there by myself for a year, and then she moved out, and she was she was nannying for a couple families, and let's just say she was the breadwinner. <laughs> Thank you, Mrs. Pitcher, for helping make this happen. So you were hired by the Colts right when they drafted Andrew Luck. Were you stunned when he retired at 29? Yeah, sure. You know, um, it's been a long time since I've talked to Andrew. Uh, Andrew was it was always amazing to me he's a great person uh he treated people the right way it was so fun to watch him lead uh in his own way and just how authentic it was and how great he was at his job um and you know and unfortunately for him I think just the injuries and and everything kind of piled up and you know it probably cut his career short um but you know at the end of the day, I, again, having not spoken to him in a really long time, I'd be willing to bet that uh, he's very happy and fulfilled doing whatever it is he's doing right now because I know that's the kind of person he is. Um, and But, yeah, I mean, you talk about stepping into the NFL and, and your first experience is getting to watch him every day. That was pretty cool. Does his story and that cautionary tale have any impact on your desire to try to protect Joe Burrow as much as any coach possibly can? I mean, sure. You know, I think 
for me, when I sit down and, you know, and it's been talked about, you know, I've done third downs and, 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 and I've, you know, had influence in other areas as well. But when you're talking about the passing game, the first, the very first thing that I always start with is how do we not get the quarterback hit? That's just philosophically um, what I believe in. And that can take on a variety of different things. Some weeks that might mean get an empty and spread them all out and let them see it and just find quick answers and they can never hit them because they can't get to them in time. Some weeks that might mean seven or eight man protection based on the defensive looks that we're getting and the personnel that we're facing. So that doesn't, that philosophy doesn't tie me to a specific schematic approach, but it is a foundation for how I look at things. And uh, keeping the quarterback clean is everybody's job, including the quarterback. Uh, and it's about playing on time. It's about putting the things in place uh, to, to be able to distribute the ball before the rush can get there and then drilling and, and working on things that let you elude the rush when it does come because it it's going to come. You watch every, every single one of these games, and, I mean, those guys are getting paid a lot of money to get after the quarterback. So, uh, But, yeah, that's a, that's a central component to how I think about offensive football. Your first year as the quarterback's coach was Joe's first year as the Bengals' quarterback I'm going to ask you to be immodest here. How do you think you've helped Joe Burrow? Well, I think Joe and I are able to relate to one another. Um, I think we share some personality traits. Unfortunately for me, I don't share any of the elite uh, world-class skill that he has. <laughs> but I think we look at things similarly. Um, and so for that reason, I think he's respected my opinion on things from a very from really from the start um and so it's allowed us to have some i think really kind of uh truthful uh conversations about hard topics at times and and i think he respects where i'm coming from on those he's he will seek out my opinion when it comes to things like that um and and i think it's helped him get to where he is today uh, you know now again he deserves the lion's share of the credit because He's the guy doing it, uh, but everybody needs people around him to help put him in a, in a spot to succeed, and, and I'm I'm proud of the part that I've played in that, and I'm excited that I get to play an even bigger part moving forward. In year two, working together, the Bengals go to the Super Bowl. You are about to be a dad for the first time. I think your son was born about 10 days after that Super Bowl. What are your most vivid memories of Super Bowl 56? Well, I mean, just the whole process, everything leading up to that, you know, that, that, you know, month to whatever it was, six weeks and just kind of groundbreaking win after groundbreaking win. And the just elation that came with each of those and the feelings that you have in the locker room and, um, you know, just the fulfillment that comes from that, uh, the Super Bowl experience in and of itself, really, you know, to me, I tried to make it as normal a week as I could make it. I wanted it to feel like my normal prep leading up into the game. And I think I did a pretty good job of that. And, and we, I, I mean, shoot, it just felt like we were going to win another game. It really did all the way, all the way through, um, you know, and it, and it really, the pain of the outcome is there and will always be there. You know, I just remember waking up the next morning and you, you have that brief moment where you start to, get yourself together and remember what the heck just happened and and it just it just 
sits in your stomach and it sits for a long, long time. Um, but it doesn't it doesn't take away the joy that came with that. And what it does do is absolutely fuel the fire to get back and to not wake up with that pit in your stomach the next time, but to, to be partying for a month straight. It's been well documented that at this time last year, you turned out an opportunity to join the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Why did you stay? For this, you know, for this opportunity here. Um, so much had gone into just the equity that I, I think, built up in this building with these people, with Mr. Brown and and uh, the Brown and Blackburn families and, and Zach and Duke and all the, you know, the, the, person, the guys and personnel and the coach. I mean, it's just like it just felt like, I mean, yeah, this is an enticing opportunity, but it's the timing's not right. And you're gu- if you just be patient and you just trust in yourself and the organization – this opportunity that you're sitting here interviewing me about is going to, is going to come to fruition. Um, and sure. Were there moments where you think like, Oh man, maybe it won't. Yeah, but that's okay. Like I knew that when I, when I decided what I decided and I was okay with that. Um, and I'm just, I'm really happy that it's worked out. If Brian Callahan did not get an NFL head coaching job this year, would you have taken an offensive coordinator opportunity somewhere else? I think at some point, if you're serious about, Growing in your profession, there, there, there becomes a point where you're left with no other choice. Um, would that have been this year? Maybe. Uh, again, depending on situation. Uh, but it, it's fun that that will forever be a hypothetical mm-hmm. and and not something I actually had to decide. We're visiting with Dan Pitcher. Brian interviewed for just about every NFL head coaching opportunity that was out there before he was hired by the Titans and. Many teams that had offensive coordinator opportunities reached out to you. How much do you think that your success, the team success, with Jake Browning this year and what he showed late in the season had to do with all of the interest that you and Brian received? I think it was a big deal. I think anytime you have a, a, an elite player at the quarterback position, sometimes I don't necessarily think that maybe it gets enough uh, acknowledgement or respect that the things you have to put around that player still f- for him to have the success that he has. But certainly when that player is removed and you demonstrate that you're able to still have success with, with the number two guy, um, I think that's a big deal because we all know that injuries are a certainty. It's not a matter of if, but when, and you do everything in your power to avoid them. But when they do happen, you have to be able to adjust. That's what we get paid to do. It's not you can't just throw a towel in and say, "Okay, we'll try again next year." Uh, and we did that. And and uh, Jake deserves a ton of credit because I, I, we did put great plans around him. But I always say it, and I mean it truly. Like there's one guy that catches the ball, and there's one guy that makes the decisions. There's one guy that makes the throws. And and Jake did a great great job. And so I do think that mattered. I think that showed people that. We have a good system. We have the ability to adapt, uh, and and we can take whatever's given to us and, and go be successful. Will the Bengals' offense look different next year, and do you want it to look different? I think every year brings with it opportunity to grow. Uh, that's been my experience every year I've been here. You You look at, number one, it all starts with who are your players. Like, that's – to me, I don't 
think you have the luxury at this level of just saying this is what we do and stop it. Uh, you have to have an identity, no doubt, but you ha- also have to be able to adapt. Uh, and, and those adaptations are based on who you have playing football for you. And so that's what the next couple months is about is is building the roster for the 2024 Bengals. And once we get all those things in place, we obviously have ideas of what we want to be able to do as an offense. And then once that roster becomes solidified, uh, you may start to lean in one direction or another. So I can't say with any specificity what those changes may be, if there will be changes. I just know that our process is one that is open-minded and is willing to uh, pivot and go in whatever direction we feel like we need to go to, to win football games. There are three games left in the season, the championship games this weekend, the Super Bowl after that. Do you watch those games like the rest of us, or are you studying, man, that's something that we can do offensively next year and beyond? When I watch them on the couch, I'm, I'm more like the rest of us uh, <laughs> because I love the game, you know, and uh, probably to a degree that uh, my wife would, would argue is unhealthy, but uh, that's um, I lean into it. Uh, so I, I love football. I love watching it. Now, as I'm watching it, do I see things that, I mean, sure, I'm not above writing a little reminder in my phone if I see a play that popped up or something that happened, and, and, and then I'll go back to it, you know, when I get into my office and I study it. So the answer to your question is yes to both. In the moment, I'm enjoying it. And then, you know, as much as someone who uh, desperately would like to be in that situation can enjoy something like that because it's a reminder that you're watching it on the couch and you're not there. (laughs) And we've been there. I mean, let's be honest. We're having this conversation right now at a time in the last two seasons where we'd have been getting ready to go out on the practice field right now. And that's that stings. Uh, But it's also good that it stings because we know what we're capable of and we'll do everything in our power to get back there. Last thing for Dan Pitcher, Brian Callahan ascended to a head coaching position from the job that you have now. I assume that that is the goal for you. Have you already started planning for the day that you will be an NFL head coach? I think the best way to put myself in position to ultimately have that opportunity is to be the absolute best offensive coordinator for the Cincinnati Bengals that I can be. Um, I think there's a lot of carryover when it comes to this job and that job and I would be foolish if every ounce of my effort wasn't going into this current role Um, and I think if I do that and I do this job well those other things will take care of themselves Um, and so I come in here with a with a clear mind and and that approach Um, and man I'm I'm just I'm just really really excited that I get to do it. This is a well-deserved opportunity. We're really excited for you. I appreciate your time today, and best of luck going forward. Thanks, Dan. That's going to do it for this episode of the Bengals Booth Podcast, brought to you by Paycor, proud to be the Bengals' official HR software provider. By Alta Fiber, future-proof fiber internet, designed to elevate your home, business, and community to a new level. And by Kettering Health, the best care for the best fans. Kettering Health is the official healthcare provider of the Bengals. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to this podcast. And if you have a minute, give it a rating or share a comment. That helps more Bengals fans find us. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for listening to the Bengals Booth Podcast.